Welcome to the Stone Industry Podcast. Whether you're an experienced agent, new to the industry, a property manager or principal, join us in conversations with fellow industry peers. Stone Industry Conversations will bring you content to inspire and inform you on your journey in real estate. Well, good morning all. Welcome to the Stone Industry Podcast. My name is Peter Mumford, CEO of Stone Real Estate. Today, we are chatting with Chris Hanley. Chris Hanley is the principal of First National Byron Bay, an Order of Australia recipient and Byron Bay's Shire Citizen of the Year. Chris is a much sought-after speaker on leadership and growth. Today, we are discussing exactly these topics. Now more than ever, these skills are something we need to grow within ourselves. Good morning, Chris. Morning, Peter. How are you? Very well. It's a beautiful day out there today, as we were just discussing. Yeah, it is. The weather's good. It's the nicest time of the year up here, Peter. It's either raining because it's the time of the year and we have a blues festival or the weather's blue sky and and, uh, and light winds and good swell. So we've got the latter today. So, yeah, it's a beautiful day. I think you're making us all jealous of Byron Bay, anyone that knows Byron Bay. <laughs> You owe it to yourself to get up there again soon, as soon as we can all get around travelling. Um, Chris, I thought we might just start with uh, going back a few uh, years <laughs> to how it all began for you. Maybe just sharing from the beginning when you first started your first office and to where you are today and uh, take us through then a bit more of the journey onto how it is running a successful real estate office and how leadership plays such an important role in what you do. I've been a leader for most of my real estate career, but I was a very bad leader, Peter, in the early years because I really had no idea what I was doing. I started in the Shire, the Sutherland Shire. As I grew up out there. Um, I started in uh, the Cronulla area. I spent a few years there and around Bar area. And I went to the inner city, so to the inner east, um, did a lot of work around Elizabeth Bay and, and Randwick and Coogee and that part of the world. Um, then 35 years ago, I moved from that part of the world to, to Byron Bay, where I've variously been a salesperson, but for most of that period, I've been either the manager of or the owner of a business. And for most of the last 25 years, I've been one of the partners in First National, Byron Bay. I've got a bunch of partners, um, all younger than I am, and we've been very lucky to find each other uh, and run a, a business that has been, for the last four or five years, the top business in the First National Network in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, and it's also a business we're all proud of because it's got very deep roots in our local community, which I'll talk to you about later, but leadership, you asked me what role letters play. Uh, I think all of us out there who've got businesses, whether you've got three staff or whether you're running a team, I think leadership is the essence of being able to run profitable and successful businesses and sustain them over time. Um, leadership's never finished. It's never a completed thing. You never, I think, can say to yourself, I'm a great or a wonderful leader always a work in progress but I've been lucky over the years to learn as I go um, and I've led a lot of community organisations in parallel to running real estate businesses. I ran a large not-for-profit for more than 20 years and I've probably learned as much in that not-for-profit about how to run a for-profit business as I did, uh, as I was able to do in my real estate business and then take 
what I'd learned there into the not-for-profit space. But right now, many of those lessons are going to be important. I know. We're certainly in challenging times, especially for new leaders that may have just taken on a business or have only been in business a couple of years. What sort of uh, advice can you give them? What points to grow through this current market that you might be able to assist them with while they're listening? I think the first thing is it's a tunnel, not a brick wall. It's very easy at the moment because when you have a crisis, the the first stage of it is is like you're winded. Like when you have an accident at sport and you've got no wind and you can't breathe. I think for many people, we're still in that first phase of a crisis. Then, then you become wobbly. You sort of get up after you've lost your, your, your wind and your breath and you're sort of a, a bit of all right and they're not so good. And you wobble along on those wobbly legs for a little while. I think for some people have moved into that second phase. And then the third phase is when you come out of it on the other side of this. Now, if you're a young leader out there right now, the first thing I can tell you is this is a tunnel and you'll pop out the end. Everything ends, good things end, bad things end. And what will happen with this crisis, it'll be measured in weeks and then into months. My own view is we're in this probably for six months. But in my own business, I'm using a one-year plan to plan for this. And we're still in the early phases, the part where we're getting lots of shocks and information. But i, I got to say, if you're a young leader there, be very thankful you're in Australia with your business. So all of the people listening to this out there, we're a lucky country. We've got good leaders. And we've got an economy that's basically strong. And the government's put in place a lot of measures that will support our business. Another thing I would say to young leaders is, and to anyone out there who's thinking about owning a business is that Australians are the most mobile people in the world. About 18% of Australians move every year. Real estate, I won't call it our national religion, but it's very close. Everyone believes in, in real estate, the buying, the selling, the leasing of property. And it's formed such a strong foundation for our economy and for our country that I think when we pop out of the end of this, I don't think we'll return to the flurry all the level of sales, and I certainly think prices are going to adjust. But if you're a young leader out there, survival is the main thing. Hang in there. Just better times are ahead. I noticed um, across our group too, Chris, that the people that are focusing on the upside obviously take into account what's happening, but they're still out there listing a lot of property. And example, they might list 40 and sell 15 compared to maybe selling 38 before. They're still building that presence out there and the people are still looking on the internet and calling them. I think what I've noticed is sometimes some of the younger people to the industry or younger leaders, as you said, they're in that stage of shock. They go into a hole and they forget all about that. Um, I'm not sure what you're doing with your business or how people are looking at up around the barn because I know it can get sometimes affected by uh, you know the holidays, the transit and the ups and downs of the share market. How are you adjusting with your team up there What are you, or, and what could you pass on? We had our biggest listing month in the company history in March, Peter, believe it or not. We had one of the biggest selling months in the history of our company in March, and we had the biggest letting month of of vacant permanent properties. So we've come off a high of a very good March, which is usually a good March, 
Um, in terms of listing the selling ratios, that's an interesting question. Um, and, and your question to me is, what are we doing? The first thing I'm doing with everyone who works for me is asking them one simple question. And if you're a leader right now, this is the question you ask everybody in your business. Do people believe when they look at their listings that if they reduce or adjust the price of those properties to the correct level, do they believe that there are still buyers out there? I'll put the question another way. If you focus on collaborating with your sellers and adjusting the price to help people move, do you believe, yes, in your heart and in your head, that the buyers will come and buy the properties? Now, we've focused on that the last few weeks in our business, just on that, and getting people's mindset to change. So just telling your salespeople that it's okay just to go out and do what you need to do is probably not exactly the right thing to do. As you said earlier, Peter, some salespeople will relish a market like this, and I've got them in my business. They love the challenge, and they're out there talking every day to their sellers so they can adjust prices to help people move. Others, whether they're the principal or whether they're young salespeople, are really struggling at the moment because they're still stuck in the first stage of this chaos, which is, which is they are winded. They don't know exactly what to do. Now, that might be because they've never done this before, and I think that's why these podcasts are good. But the most important thing to say is, there, is that there is a way through this, and that is on adjusting every day in talking to your sellers. Park some of your sellers, the ones that don't need or want to sell now, and focus on those who really want to sell and match them up with the buyers who are left in the marketplace. Another reality, Peter, for all of us is that there might only be a quarter of the buyers in the marketplace today, which is why all of us should rediscover that wonderful thing about working with buyers. We've all had plenty of buyers for the last few years. So in order to help people move right now, you've got to talk to your sellers and focus on adjusting their prices. And if you're a young leader, you've got to focus on helping your salespeople with the skills they need to work with buyers. What does that look like? It means asking buyers simple questions. Are you ready, willing and able to buy in this market? Do you still want to buy? Are you active in the market? If the answer is yes, you stick with them and help them find the property that they want. I think um, it's very true and I notice so many people are getting very focused on making sure the buyers they're taking out to private appointments are serious. And it certainly gets us back to all the basics, the things we know we need to do, the things to have better communication. And, I, and you're very right there, Chris. If everyone can focus on that, listen to the knowledge that's out there in the industry, listen to people that have been doing it for a while, they'll certainly sail through. And I might just move on a little bit, just on to around the growth side for people. I know you've uh, spoken once about getting uncomfortable to grow. And I just thought maybe you could talk people through that a little bit. Do you mean in the business in general, Peter? Oh, yes, in general, in business or whether it's becoming an agent. I think a lot of us don't push ourselves because we don't want to be uncomfortable. But I know you have mentioned oh. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I have. Sorry. Yeah. 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 There's no growth, no growth whatsoever in being comfortable. It just doesn't happen. What happens, I think, to a lot of us, myself, whether you're a leader or a salesman, it's the same. You only get the growth. Um, 
when bad things happen. You only get growth um, when you get in, in challenges like this. You only really find out whether you're a, a decent and good leader when, when, when you have challenges like this. And if you're a salesperson, particularly in Australia and in, in, in many of the last years, I don't want to be offensive to anyone, but if you've got the stock, you make the sales, you haven't really had to work both sides of the equation so much. You haven't usually also in many markets had to do the, the hard talking and have the hard conversations with your sellers. But bosses right now will learn more in the next 10, 12, 14, 16 weeks than they've learned in the last 10 years for many principles. Why? Because right now you've got to make important decisions. You can even get a fatigue, a decision fatigue right now. I would suggest that many bosses in the last two to three weeks have made more decisions on a daily basis than they've made in a year. And you can't bugger eyes around now. You can't, um, you can't not decide. To not decide, Peter, right now is to decide. And your staff needs you to make decisions if you're a leader. So if you're stuck on that first winded phase when you're not doing much, Understand that everyone's watching you. In a business, imagine a, a huge magnifying glass sitting above your head and that magnifying glass magnifies all of your facial expressions, all of the things that you do. If you hesitate, um, if you're not sure about what you're saying and doing, so to not decide is to decide. So for bosses at the moment, your, your people want to follow you. They will follow you, but you have to make decisions. And the one other thing that clicks into this is, is the idea of, of learning through a process like this. I scribble things down. I write things down a lot, um, particularly now, and I come back to them. And I think if you're not learning things every day, then you're probably not doing enough listening. Leading right now is not about telling people what to do. That's the complete opposite. Leading right now is listening to everyone who works for you as much as you can to gather information before you make decisions. They don't want you to tell them what to do. What they want to do is to be, they want you to lead, but don't be a one brain business right now. Listen to everyone, your receptionist, your letting clerks, your accountants, every, your, your Whoever's working with you and doing a really good job to help you, listen to them as much as you can and then make decisions. I think that's um, great words. I think very important at the moment. So, Chris, one of the other things I thought we might discuss moving on is anger management, which is very relevant to uh, principles. Um, I can remember when I was once a young chef and in the kitchen when I start, started, it's going back a fair while, so it's probably changed a bit, chefs would get very uptight probably they're working in very hot conditions maybe they drank too much these old chefs but I remember them they would throw knives past you if you said something wrong but I also noticed in this industry too there was a lot of that it was the people that came in and said you know it was an agent and then they said you're going to do it my way and or it's the highway which is the wrong thing we know but I'd like to get your thoughts on uh, helping people how they realize that how to control their anger management um breathing's a big part you know, a lot of us uh, think we know how to breathe because we, we were born and we took our first breath, breathing is the first part. 
you've got to be calm, Peter, at your core. Calm at your core. You can use box breathing, basically four in, hold it for four, four out, and hold it for four. The, the box breathing is very, very important right now. Some people meditate. I think that's a great way too. But breathing, focus on your breathing all day at work because in in a, in a crisis like this, your breathing, your breathing is the your rhythm section. You know, like if you like music, and I do, um, you know, the, the whole, when you listen to music, the, the drums and the bass are the rhythm section. You can't have great music without without having a good rhythm section. And your breathing when you're a leader right now is your rhythm section. The second thing uh, about about anger is that not only is it a waste of emotion, it's corrosive. And what it does to you inside yourself, it makes it very, very hard for you. A lot of people are making decisions at the moment with two emotions running through their veins. One is fear and the other one is anger. If you make decisions based on either of those two things, your business is going to struggle. So you've got to be without fear as best you can and without, without anger. Number three, anger comes from frustration with a lack of control. And a lot of people at the moment don't have control. So what I want to say to people, in order to get, to get control in your business, you've got to give up control. You've got to get delegate to other people. You've got to, AA many years ago, I think had a motto, something along the lines of, in order to help people stop drinking, was, you know, you've got to give up this belief that you can control things. You can't. You can't control everything. And when you're a leader, you can't. You can't control the market right now. You can't control the virus. But what you can do is control your response to the virus and your response to the market. So anger needs to be got under control through breathing. You need to focus. You've got to sleep well. You've got to give yourself rest. One of the things that I've often heard people say about resilience, for example, is that that's the core to success. Well, it actually isn't the core. The core to success is doing as much as you can and then having a break so you can go back and have another go at it. Anyone who just keeps going over and over and over, for example, and working 16-hour days right now, is only going to get angry and frustrated. So you've got to look after yourself as well. But the key at the moment is not to be angry, either with your staff or with your sellers or with your property managers. The key is to be calm at your core. I agree. Very, very great words. Thank you, Chris, on that. Um, and it's so important too because I, I do notice that some people overreact in these certain times going, I'm going to cut, 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 cut all this off. Now, obviously, it's prudent to be looking at your P&Ls and your costs going forward and accepting that you could be down 20, 30, 50, 60%. Who knows? And every area is different. And, and every business is different based on their skill level. But I think one thing I've noticed too is that the property managers are under a lot of pressure at the moment and we should be nurturing them and looking after them, not trying to cut back necessarily because they're dealing with a lot of inquiries. I don't know how you're going up there, but certainly in a lot of our Sydney areas, they're getting so many inquiries about, can I stop paying rent? <laughs> how are you dealing with that up there? The property managers are the nurses and doctors of the real estate industry right now. Very true. They're unheralded. They're amazing. They work really hard. They're wonderful. And in the last two weeks of our business, they've been at the front lines. I'm a great admirer of our medical system. I think we're blessed with wonderful nurses and wonderful doctors. And I think many of us in real estate are blessed with wonderful people working in property management. 
Peter, the essential service part of real estate, the reason we weren't closed down wasn't because of our sales business, was because of our property management business. The reason they didn't close us down completely like they did many other industries is because property managers look after people's sanctuaries, which are their homes right now. They keep looking after the, the, the dishwashers and the electricity and plumbing when it breaks down. So I believe they need to be celebrated by the industry as a whole and by leaders in their business. We need to listen to them because they've got all this intelligence at the moment. They can tell you what the tenants and the landlords are thinking. They can tell you the level of fear that's in the community. They can tell you what people are doing in their businesses. I think the government um, has been generous in some of the the uh, job seeker and the job keeper programs that should be able to help our tenants with time. Um, but I'm doing as, and all my partners are in my business, doing as much as we can to support property managers. We're talking to them every day, often regularly, helping them fine tune what they do and helping them be better prepared uh, for what they're doing. But they're doing a magnificent job up here. And you asked about our town, mine's a tourist town. So some of the people up here lost their jobs very early in the piece. And that's made unbelievable hard work for the property managers to answer questions that nobody had the answer for, at least for the last couple of weeks. So they're doing a really, really good job. Thanks for sharing that, Chris. I totally believe in what you're saying. Um, and many times I think our poor property management departments are under undervalued, especially if we've come from the sales business. Um, and it's so important, but we also realise it's one of our largest assets in our business and worth protecting, but we don't always give them the credit they deserve. So a um, little shout-out to all you property managers listening. <laughs> we do think a lot of you, and thank you. Um, one last question, Chris. Um, it's on recruitment. Now, this could be whether it's a principal listening or it's an agent building an EBU. Um, I know you have talked in the past about you like to look for stories in people when you're interviewing them. Could you elaborate on that? Recruitment something that I've always been particularly interested in because recruitment's the key in real estate to building a great business. Napoleon, Peter, only had one recruitment question, one single question. And I'm a little bit like that, though my question's different. Napoleon's question was, he used to ask generals before he gave them a job. His question was, are you lucky? That was the only question he had. And the way they answered the question was as important as the answer to the question. Over the years, I've, I've had all sorts of interesting questions for recruitment. And we started someone in a new job two weeks ago in our business. I don't know we the only business in Australia that did it, but we might get an award for, for being optimistic in doing that. I've got favourite questions. I always ask people whether they had a job at school, for example, or I ask them questions like, what did, what did your mum teach you? But anyone who's interested in my favourite questions can go onto LinkedIn. I wrote a piece a couple of years ago called uh, the job at school rule. There's 42 questions that you can ask. Uh, just my favourite questions I've gathered over the years. But recruitment for me is a process that you, know, you should think crock pot, slow cooking rather than fast, multiple interviews, 
Um, you're looking for their values. <coughs> excuse me. You're trying to find out their character. Skills are easy. You can teach people skills, but you can't change people's character. And I guess my summary of my view on recruitment is you can find good people, Peter, and teach them to sell, but you can't find people and teach them to be good. So that is the central tenet of my recruitment strategy. Chris, thank you so much for today, your time. I know you're always busy. And, uh, and thanks for sharing this because many people out in the industry would get a lot of value from it. And uh, look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thanks, Chris. Good luck. Good luck, Peter. Thanks. Thank it's you. nice to talk to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. And, Chris, that was an amazing interview today. And I think for a lot of people, if you are an agent building your team or you're a principal, for me, and Chris, recruitment is everything. And we all know this. If you can find the right people to join your team, you can have a phenomenal business. Plus, it makes it a lot of fun going through life, sharing that experience with them. I think a lot of people just use people. They don't think of them as people. They use them as a commodity, which is not the case. They are people there to grow with, and your role is also to help them grow. Anyway, thanks, everyone, for listening today again. Um, look forward to talking to you on our next podcast. It's nice to talk to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. And, Chris, that was an amazing interview today. And I think for a lot of people, if you are an agent building your team or you're a principal, for me, and Chris, recruitment is everything. And we all know this. If you can find the right people to join your team, you can have a phenomenal business. Plus, it makes it a lot of fun going through life, sharing that experience with them. I think a lot of people just use people. They don't think of them as people. They use them as a commodity, which is not the case. They are people there to grow with and your role is also to help them grow. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening today again. Um, look forward to talking to you on our next podcast. Thank you for joining us on the Stone Real Estate Industry Podcast. To learn more about us, be sure to visit us at stonerealestate.com.au. Now, if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast player so you don't miss out on any future conversations with industry peers. While you're at it, if you found value in the podcast and the conversations on today's show, we'd appreciate our ratings on iTunes, or simply make sure you tell a friend about the conversation we had. Be sure to join us on our next episode with more information to inform and inspire you. Bye for now.